Thanks for joining me. You're listening to the Semitic Jew Podcast. Today is Saturday, December 9th, and I'm conducting this podcast in my office upstairs. And while this is on my mind, I want to say thank you to my frequent listeners and new listeners. I appreciate you, and I pray that the reading of God's Word continues to bless you, encourage you, and strengthen you richly in Christ. If you're listening for the first time, do not forget to rate, share, and subscribe to the channel so that this podcast will be distributed to the four corners of the earth where Israelites are scattered. Many of our people want nothing to do with organized religion, nor what religions stand for. So we need our people and the other nations to understand our effort is to bring forth honest content, undiluted from the world and the world's influences. Our presence is all over the scriptures, which is what we aim to teach here at Semitic Jew. Again, I greatly appreciate you. In addition, our website, SemiticJew.org, is undergoing massive changes, so be on the lookout for more impressive content coming your way soon. In this episode, we continue from where we left off in the book of Genesis. Last week, we finished chapter 4. This week, we begin chapter 5. In an episode, I am titling, Adam's Descendants. Let's begin. In every episode, I like to begin reading the entire passage in question, then expound on each verse using a technique called exegesis. And if you're not familiar with this technique, in short, it means to read out of the text what is there. Most religious teachers today error by using a technique known as eisegesis, which means reading one's own ideas into the text. I'm going to pick on Christians for a moment. It would be the equivalent of a Christian saying Christian doctrine supersedes what the text says. And a lot of religions do it, but that is what eisegesis is. As a consequence, they come to conclusions which are not the author's intentions, nor dis demonstrate what the text says in its own context. This is the reason there are many interpretations and many confusions which exist concerning the word of God. So let's begin reading Genesis chapter five, and we're going to be reading from verse one to verse five today. All right, beginning in verse one, a quick reminder before we begin. In last week's episode, we left off with the birth of Seth. And during and during Seth's days, the Bible says, I want to emphasize the Bible says that the men began calling upon the name of the Lord. Incredible, right? This is what happens when godly men are in the earth. Men began calling upon the name of the Lord. Keep this in mind because this is contrasted with the things men were doing in the earth. And those men in particular, Cain's offspring. Again, beginning in verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam on the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And I'm just going to read that one more time. 
beginning in verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. On the day that they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begot sons in his own likeness, and after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. That was Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 5. Chapters and verses were added to the scriptures. There were no chapters and verses, at least from what we know of. Those things were added later, okay? The text just flowed naturally so verse one begins like this it says this is the book of the generations of adam and the day that god created man and the likeness of god made he him the hebrew word used here for the book of the generations of adam is toledoth and it's used to mark family histories in the book of genesis there's more references in um, chapter 6 verse 9 chapter 10 verse 1 chapter 11, verse 10, and even more, um, that term Toledoth is being used. But these family histories are very important because these generations will continue through the birth of Christ and all throughout time. This does not necessarily mean that we will always be able to track our lineage um, all throughout time but what it does mean, in fact, they were able to because it was early in human history, but it does not mean that we will, able, we will be able to trace our line all the way back to uh, Adam if I wanted to go back. But I know by faith, obviously, from the scriptures um, that all men come from Adam because it was revealed to us. But uh, specifically, if you want to know that you come from Shem, Ham, or Japheth, um, the text teaches us who those people are which is how we know that we are israelites because of deuteronomy 28 the curses which followed us throughout time our subsequent slavery uh, generation upon generation and our servitude here in the americas and around the earth but nevertheless ecclesiastes 4:16 also tells us that there will never be an end of the people and there's other scriptures that also say that Unless the ordinances, such as the sun and the moon, stop doing what they were commanded to do, Israel will cease to be a nation. And by Israel, I mean the Israelites, not Jewish people. And as I said before, we need to make a distinction between what the scriptures say about the children of God and what the, and what the scriptures say about everyone else. And that's fair. It's freedom of speech. We should be able to express our thoughts, especially when it comes to truth and who has the power of distributing that truth, not only to you, but to everyone else. The latter part of verse one, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. This verse also essentially reminds us not only is it the book of the histories of Adam but it reminds us that God is the creator and it is through revelation that we understand that Christ was the creator or Christ was the word who created so 
there are many theological directions we could go to explain what this passage is saying to us. And I'll just explore one theological theme from this section. The phrase, the image of God, occurs several times throughout the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and in chapter 5, and in chapter 9. In general, it speaks to the lofty role man has on the earth from God's point of view. Not from our own point of view. Many people take that image of God and they run with it and they act like God's on the earth. And in reality, this is just telling us what God's point of view is from God's point of view, that God made man to be an image bearer or to be the representation of him on earth. Are men doing that on the earth? Look around. Most men aren't, but you should be. God views man as being created in his image, and therefore man is above all of creation, including animals and plants. This gives all men and women immense value in the grand scheme of things. This was God's original intent for mankind. Men were given responsibility to rule creation as priests with dignity, giving honor and glory to God Almighty. There's also order in this imagery. God created man in his image and the woman, according to 1 Corinthians 11 verse 7, the woman is the image and glory of the man. The image of God has implications for both physical, mental, spiritual, as disembodied soul, and so many more. I'll explore more on topical things on the website when the website is published. But for now, let's go on to verse 2. Verse 2, male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. It's important to note that God blessed humans. This blessing can be described as the qualitative and quantitative abilities in all people, the ability to create, build, learn, and more, and also the ability to reproduce after their own kind. Both of those are immense blessings that God bestowed upon the human race. The human race is a unique and beautiful living organism designed by God, not designed by some random circumstance, random explosion that happened, and then through uh, different mathematical sequences and chance, now we have all the complexity in the universe that we need, and we don't need God for that. Well, that's a lie. Let's read what the New Testament says about God. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needs anything. Seeing he gives all life and breath and all things and hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he also determined the times before appointed for them and the bounds of their habitations. Or in other words, where they would live, where they would go, who they would marry, etc., etc. This passage from the New Testament carries many theological implications which point us back to the book of Genesis and the original creation 
of mankind. And guess what? It's okay. Adam and Eve were originally created as black. And guess what? That's okay too. It's important to know and understand this. It's the only rational or logical explanation for the color palette within the human genome. Adam and Eve were not white people, despite all the false images designed to drive home white supremacy or to falsely teach whites as the original people is absolutely foreign to scripture. It has no root in scripture whatsoever. It is just a people who have monopolized religion and have gained money off of it and continue to gain money in an insurmountable way. Not saying that that's everyone's intentions in these religions, but I'm saying generally that is the focus. It also matters in the grand scheme of things to know and understand this. Not only does this truth improve the cognitive abilities of brown and brown and black people, but also teaches us to cleave to truth and not to logical fallacies. This verse also teaches us God has appointed lands for all nations, the land of Israel for the real Israelites, not European Jewry. They are not the biblical Israelites. More on that later. Verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, we must understand something. There are people who are living today and are reaching over 100 years of life, even more. I believe the other day I read an article about a woman. I think she was labeled an African-American woman who lived to be 100 and she was 140. 41 years old, if I'm not mistaken, and she was still living. She wasn't, she had just had her 100 and might've been 120th birthday or something like that. Um, so it's more rare today than it was back then, right? Because it says in verse three that Adam lived 130 years and was beginning, was having children after his own image. So, uh, and again, a lot of people like to allegorize the text and say, well, we don't see that happening in our time. In fact, so we need to somehow justify what those numbers actually mean. Maybe these numbers um, uh, mean something about righteousness or is it grimacia or things like that. That's not what the intent is. The intent, if you read the scriptures as the scriptures are by exegeting them, it says that Adam lived to be 130 years. Who are we to make a judgment call for what this author is trying to convey? Again, it's more rare for us to live that long today. And we'll find out later in the book of Genesis why our, why our days are cut shorter than they were doing during Adam's time. Back then, for many, <clears throat> living many years was the norm. The text says Adam was 130 years when he begot Seth. Good science tells us the condition of the earth during the time of the beginning was much more sophisticated than our earth and our universe today there were no thorns and thistles there was no work or in other words there was no over exertion back then there is now those things those things came with sin and along with sin came death disease work over exertion and work etc etc we just wear out over time like all things that are in existence today. Verse four, and the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 
800 years and he begot sons and daughters. Now, verse four tells us Adam eventually lived to be nearly a thousand years old. <clears throat> the days of Seth, excuse me, uh, and the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years. <clears throat> so he was already 130 when he begot when he begot Seth, but he almost lived to be nearly a thousand years, which is an incredible lifespan. Imagine the amount of time he was able to learn and do certain things. Back in Genesis 2, verse 17, God told Adam on the day he ate, he would surely die. We know Adam did not physically die then, but we can deduce that he died spiritually or the connection between him and God was broken which is what sin does. The Bible clearly teaches that God does not hear the prayers of sinners. Sinners are cut off from speaking to God. Through the birth of Seth, or through the promised line of Seth, the Messiah would come and offer the perfect sacrifice, which is a sacrifice of blood. We see from all throughout the Old Testament, all the way leading up to Christ, that the sacrifice of blood is what the cost is for sin. More on that later for sure. Verse 4 again. Let me just read verse 4 again. And it says, In the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800, were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. Now, Adam had other sons, and Adam had other daughters. This tells us uh, he and his wife would continue to follow the commandments God gave them in the Garden of Eden. Nevertheless, so many years have passed and after the birth of Seth, verse 5, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So Adam lived to be 930 years, then he died. And this expression, he died, and he died, and he died, will follow mankind all throughout creation, and, all th and subsequently following in the book of Genesis, and all throughout time. This judgment was pronounced earlier in the book of Genesis. In fact, it was pronounced in chapter 2, verse 17. And it does not come to pass until 930 years later after God had first pronounced that judgment upon our forefather, Adam. Now, Adam must have been prepared for death, especially after considering men could be murdered by other men as his son Cain had murdered his other son, Abel. And Paul describes, it's interesting because Paul describes sin in this way, Romans chapter 5, as death being or death reigning until someone dies. So death is reigning in that person's life, lording over them until they actually die. And Paul describes that vividly in Romans chapter 5. Sin essentially has the right to execute dominance over us or sin having the right to execute dominance over us is proof of the scriptures. I'm just going to say that again. Sin exercising do, or, or excuse me, sin and death exercising dominance over us is proof that the scriptures are true. What can we learn from verses 1 to verse 5? First of all, all men come from Adam. And through the line, or through the birth of Seth, men began calling upon the name of the Lord. We need to understand the implications of the provisions of God. Because Cain, who is the child of the devil, sought to eliminate the child of God, Abel. 
but God provided a substitute through the birth of Seth. The birth of Seth is very encouraging because God always keeps his promises, no matter what men do to thwart or attempt to thwart God's plans. It also teaches us the importance of having godly men in the earth. If there are godly men in the earth, then the world or the earth will glorify God more and people will turn from their sins and repent. In fact, this will happen when the Israelites are placed on top again in the new heavens and the new earth. Until this happens, as the Proverbs say, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. I'm signing off. All praises, all honor.